Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Are you good today? Did you come for the ice cream or the preaching? The preaching? Okay, because that depends on who gets the cone and who doesn't get the cone, but based off the answer... I know you came for both, didn't you? You came for both. It's okay. It's okay. Um, But we're going to get into the Word of God today, and uh, we're going to continue. During the summertime, we've kind of been just preaching on whatever we feel like the Lord is telling me to preach on. So that's what we're going to do today. And so we haven't really been in a sermon series. We've just been kind of going and moving with the Spirit of God. So that's what we're going to do today. But before we get into this message, um, there's a couple things that I feel like God... Uh, shared with me, and we have a thing at church called Legacy Team. Right. It's just kind of in the beginning stages of it, yeah. uh, which is people that feel like they're called to business and entrepreneurship, right. and they feel like they're called to make money for the kingdom of God, yeah. and uh, and to be a generous giver beyond the tithe, right. and to help fund the church, but also the kingdom of God. And there's yeah. a lot of you that are in that, but listen to me for a second. Okay. Um, I felt specifically... Uh, yesterday when I was praying about this, and I don't know, I don't know names. God didn't give me names, but I feel like there is several people in here that it's the time to step out on those God-given ideas that God has given you. Uh, A lot of you, God has given you business plans, business ideas, dreams. There's been properties that are in your heart. There has been, um, different ideas. There's been investments you needed to make and you felt like, I know I need to do this sometime, but when is the time? I feel like for several, several people in here, now is the time. Do anybody receive that today? I know there's several people in here that God has given you and it's not just you and you're thinking it's just me. No, it's not just you. God, God gave you that idea to start that business. God gave you that idea to invest in that way. God gave you that idea to be an entrepreneur. And it's to fund the kingdom of God. But unless you step out and do it, it will never happen. And that's not on God's side. That's on your side. The Bible says faith without works or actions is dead. So I want to encourage you. And I know that's for several people in here today. I don't know who all you are in here. You, you could be a part of the legacy team or maybe you want to be a part of the legacy team or you could just be here today and you feel like that's God speaking to you. But I know there's several people in here and God's saying, now is the time. Write the vision out. Go look at the property. It didn't mean you had to buy it, but go look at it. Go, go start moving with the dreams that God has put into your heart. It's not going to happen unless you get out of fear and start doing something with the dreams, the plans, or maybe God has given you a divine idea about a certain product, and that product could make millions for the kingdom of God and for your family. But unless you do something about it, nothing will happen. So I feel that specifically for many people in here, that now is the time to step out on those projects, on those plans, on those business ideas. Now is the time. Do you receive that today? I know that's not for everybody in here, but I know it's for several people in here this morning. Listen to your pastor today. Now, if the Holy Spirit says that's not you, then that's not you. But if when I'm talking right now, the Holy Spirit's like, he's talking to you, then you need to listen. Because that's confirmation that God's trying to do something. And he's going to do it through your business and through the dreams and ideas that God has given you. I have no doubt in my mind that God has given a lot of you ideas in here to fund the kingdom of God. And not just fund this church, but so this church can fund other churches. That's what this church is called to do. That this church could fund many missionaries. That this church could fund uh, outreaches all over the world. That this church could, could help the poor and the needy. That this church could be in such a wealthy place that they could handle the needs of our community with ease. That's where this church is going But it takes kingdom-minded people, business people, entrepreneurs to step out in faith and do something with the dreams that God put in their heart. I'm preaching 110 times better than you're responding today. This isn't even my message, but I feel like this is for many people in here today. God's saying, now's the time. Stop waiting. Stop putting it on the back burner. Stop stop saying, well, it'll happen when it's a rainy day. No, come on now. Now is the time. Step out. Stop being in fear. Step out in faith. 
with the plans that God has spoken to you about. Because God's going to bless and prosper what you put your hand to. You receive that today? That's for many people in here this morning. That's not my message, but that was free. And I know the Holy Spirit told me that last uh, week. So let's look at Hebrews 11 and verse 1. We're going to talk about faith this morning. And we're going to start in Hebrews 11 and verse 1 to verse 6. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying his gifts, though he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had a good testimony that he pleased God. And verse 6, key verse for today. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Come on, I'm going to read that one more time because this is so good today. But without faith it's impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him so today I want to talk about great faith in a great God great faith in a great God now we as a church church on the rock we're known for being a faith church pastor shouldn't every church be a faith church yes it should be but most aren't We're a faith church, and that means we put an emphasis on faith around here, on believing God, on trusting God. But everyone should be that way, not just a certain church or a certain denomination. We should all be faith people, going to a faith church, living a faith lifestyle. Why? Because faith is what pleases God. If you read your Bible, it says that we receive all the promises of God by faith. You get saved by faith. You overcome by faith. You receive the victory that belongs to you in Christ by faith. You are made whole, the Bible says, by faith. You please God by faith. So, when we say it's important to be a faith person, I think it is because the Bible says faith is kind of important. To receive from God, to be made whole, to please God All he's asking for is someone to have faith and believe him. Faith pleases God. So we're faith people, and this is a faith church, but I want to remind you, it's good to go over foundational things again so you not just know it in your head, but you know it in your heart, and you got to hear things over and over so your faith is strong. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that means the more you hear about something from the Bible, the more you have faith for it. The more you hear about faith, the more you have faith. The more you hear, hear about God's provision, you have faith to believe in his provision. The more you hear about healing, the more you will believe in God's healing power. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I want to talk about faith today. And the importance of it and that we need to be faith people and we need to be a faith church because that's what God's looking for because faith pleases God. But he wants us to have great faith. Now, I realize this. When I say a person of faith, we've watered this down in the culture we live into today because a lot of people say, well, I'm a person of faith. And that literally only means that they just kind of vaguely believe in God. Like, you ask anybody at the bar right now in southern Indiana, they'll fight you over the existence of God. Why? We live in the Bible Belt. I mean, yeah, they believe. They believe in God. But does that make them a real faith person? Not necessarily. Just because you believe in the existence of God does not make you a faith person. The Bible says the demons even believe that. Okay? So it's not really a big deal that you just believe God and... uh, 
you know, that's not a faith person. Or in Christian circles, we think a faith person is you came to an altar one time and you said a prayer and you believed in your heart and you accepted Jesus, which that's great. Y'all need to do that. But that doesn't mean you're a faith person just because it happened one time a long time ago. When Bible, the Bible says that we're supposed to be people of faith and you're a faith person who believes God, it means that faith is your lifestyle. The Bible says both in the Old and the New Testament, it's a verse that's repeated time after time. It says, the just shall live by faith. That means those who are following God, who have received God's righteousness, have received God's presence, have received God's spirit, those who know God, they will live by faith. That our lifestyle needs to be a lifestyle of faith. And let me say this to you in the best way I can. Just because you believed one time does not mean you're a faith person. Does not mean you're living by faith. Just because you believe there is a God out there somewhere and he's very impersonal and it's a very vague idea. I believe in God. That does not mean you're living a life of faith. But the Bible says those who please God, those who receive from God, are those who live a life of faith. The just shall live by faith. That our everyday should be by faith. Now let me tell you, this is what a faith person looks like because the just shall live by faith. That means you need to go to work by faith. You need to raise your kids by faith. You need to be married. Hello, somebody. By faith. You need to eat your meals by faith. You need to look at your circumstances by faith. You need to handle your money by faith. You need to take care of your body by faith. Why? Because the just or the righteous shall live by faith. It's not a Sunday thing. It's my everyday thing. It's my lifestyle. And that's the kind of faith that pleases God. Not the kind that's, yeah, I believe you exist, God, but you're really not involved in my life. Or you came to an altar one time and you cried and you're like, oh, I messed up. I need God. Okay, that's great. You needed to do that. But what did you do since then? Because God has so much more for you after you get done with the altar call and the crying. He wants you to go from that and go live a life of faith. Go step out and do what God has called you to do. Go get into the fullness of what God has for you. But that only happens by faith. The just shall live by faith. It's not just a one-time event. It's not just a thing that is something that happens on Sunday. It's our life. The just of the righteous shall live by faith. But then Jesus went on and he would say in the Gospels that there's different levels of faith, though. There's good faith, okay faith, average faith, mid-faith. Large faith, big faith, small faith, great faith. There's all different types of faith in the Bible. And Jesus, sometimes he would talk to people in the Bible and he would say, you have no faith. (laughs) Other people, he said, you know what? You're trying. You got a little faith. But there's certain people in the Bible, he said, you all have great faith. I don't know about you, but that's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. I want to be in that category with God. I want God to say, you don't have small faith. You're not one of those people that have no faith. You don't just have mid-faith. You have great faith. I want to be like that. Does anybody want to be like that? Do you want to hear that from God one day? You know, when you meet him face to face and when you go to heaven, you want to meet him. And he said, man, you had some great faith. I didn't mean you were perfect. That didn't mean you did everything right. But you had some great faith. I mean, you believed me. You trusted me. You, you didn't just, you know, do this once a week at church. You lived your life this way. You did everything by faith. The just shall live by faith. You did that. And you had great faith. And what does it say? The Bible says, and that faith pleases God. 
your works or how you live, it's not what pleases God. It's your faith. You trusting God pleases God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Why? Because the just shall live by faith. But let's look at this word faith in the Bible. Since there's different sizes of faith or types of faith, and we want to be people of great faith. Well, what is faith? If you look up this word in uh, the Greek translation of this word, which is the New Testament is written in Greek, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. This word faith means several things, but here are a few definitions given for the word faith in the Greek language. This word faith means to believe or worthy of belief, to have assurance and confidence in, and to trust. The word faith means to believe or be worthy of belief, to have assurance and confidence and trust. That's what it means to have faith. When you say you have faith in God, that means you, you believe him. You don't doubt him. You believe him. It means when you believe him, though, you're assured. You're not doubting whether he's going to come through or not. You have confidence as a believer. Why? Because faith is confidence. Not in yourself, but in God. That what God said is true. And because you can be confident in that, you trust him. You trust God. That's what it means to have faith. Not to just trust him one time at an altar, but to trust him every day. The part that doesn't make sense to me is this. If we're going to make a big deal about altar calls and trusting God with your eternal life. If you can trust him with that, why can't you trust him about your bills? I mean, on the scale of like weighty things in life, eternity, your bills. But yet we're like, man, I can believe for this, but your bills, your health, your kids. Sometimes we feel like we have a hard time trusting them with this. Well, how could you trust them with your eternity if you can't trust them with this? No, it's, it's all the same. If he's trustworthy, then you can trust him. If he's faithful in this area, then he's faithful in every area. You can have faith in him. If you can believe him with your eternity, you can believe him about everything because God is God and what he said is still true. So we need to be a person of faith, and that's a person of belief, assurance, confidence, and that we trust God. We trust God. So I want to talk today about how do we have great faith in a great God? How do we have great faith in a great God? Because we all want to be people of faith. And we don't want to be one of those people that God says, man, it's a little faith. Not much. Or you believe me here, but then you don't believe me here. We want to be one of those people that says, and we hear from God, you got great faith. So let's look in Hebrews 11 and verse 1. You still with me today? We're just getting going here. Good. Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Let me take a drink. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 2. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and though he, being dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had the testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, 
it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We read here, Hebrews 11, the whole chapter is what we call the Hall of Fame of Faith. And that is a list of all these major characters in the Bible who had faith, who believed God. And you could say, looking at that group of people in Hebrews 11, that all those people had great faith. But when we look at those people, sometimes we act like they are superstars and so spiritual and they had this great faith and they're in the Bible, they're in the Hall of Fame of Faith, but, but we can never have great faith like them. But I want to tell you today, if you read about the people that are in Hebrews 11, they're messed up people. You didn't think that was coming, did you? Like, they got issues. Like, we, we put these people up on a pedestal like these are great men and women of faith, which they were, but they had issues and sins and problems, and they were messed up, and some of them were cheating on their wives or husbands. Some of them had murdered people. Some of them were doing crazy stuff, yet they made it in the book. So none of us should count ourselves out like we can never have great faith. We could, we could never really trust God. We could never be one of those people that God looks at and says, man, I'm well pleased in you because you got some great faith. No, if these people in the Bible in Hebrews 11 could do it, we could do it. Actually, when I read Hebrews 11, I feel better about my spirituality. I'm like, y'all, I don't got these issues. Y'all got these issues and you made it in the book. I'm in a way better shape than you, Abraham. Sorry. (laughs) Moses, I love you, but I didn't kill nobody. He still made it in the book for having great faith. There's people in Hebrews chapter 11 that were prostitutes, sex workers. People that killed other people. People that doubted God in one season of their life and then believed God in the next season of their life. All sorts of liars, cheats. And we think, well, pastor, I could never have great faith like those people in the Bible. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. If they could, you can. Trust me, you're, a lot of you are in way better shape than they were. And they had great faith. God moved in their life and they had great faith. So when we read Hebrews 11, don't count ourselves out of this. Count ourselves into this. This was written to encourage us and to realize that we can have this same faith. And we could live by faith just like the heroes of the the faith in the Bible did. The just shall live by faith. We can have that same faith. We can do those same things. And we could be like Hebrews 11.6 says, that we please God by our faith. That we don't just believe God exists. That's one level of faith, but we believe he's going to respond to us. We believe that God is going to move on our behalf. We believe that God is still doing miracles and still healing bodies. Come on, I'm preaching. And he's still moving in people's lives. And he's still the same God that we see the stories in the Bible. That's the same God that I serve. He still heals. He still delivers. He still prospers. He still sets free. He still makes new. He still forgives people and lets their past go and gives them a new life. He's still the same God, but he's looking for the same faith. Come on, I'm feeling good in the house of the Lord today. We can have great faith in a great God. The people in Hebrews 11 could, we can. We can have this same belief, assurance, confidence, trust in God that they did and see the same results that they saw. The Bible says God's no respecter of persons, but he is of faith. He will move where he will find faith. He will pass over 10,000 people that don't believe to find one person that does believe in faith. God's looking for faith on the earth because faith Gives God permission to move in your life. God's looking for faith. 
Because faith pleases God. You with me today? So we want to talk about some ways that we can have great faith in a great God today. Let's first talk about this. In Matthew 14, let's turn over there. I'm going to talk first about great faith is focused faith. Great faith is focused faith. Now, when I was preparing this message, I felt like God gave me three different people in the Bible to talk about today, and that's who we're going to talk about. Um, Not that they were perfect, not that they didn't have any issues, not that there wasn't times in their life that uh, they didn't always believe, but in the times that God moved in their life, they believed that day, and they had great faith. So I want to talk about these three people in the Bible. Uh, One of them's name is Peter. One of them's name is the Roman centurion. And then there's, lastly, uh, the Canaanite woman in the Gospels. So I want to talk about these three. So Matthew 14, let's start here. We're going to talk about great faith is focused faith. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. And while he sent the people home, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. And he fell, uh, and the night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land. For a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the water. Now, this is about Peter. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified and in fear, and they cried, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, he said, take courage, I am here. Notice, and then Peter called to him and said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes. Come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat, walking on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink, saying, Save me, O Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. And the disciples worshiped him saying, you really are the son of God. Now, I want to talk for a minute about great faith is focused faith. Great faith is focused faith. Now, I'm saying that for a reason because I want to realize this as a church community who emphasizes faith. Great faith is God-focused, not self-focused. Now, here's sometimes a ditch that we get into as faith people and a faith church. We could talk about faith so much that our faith is not in God. Our faith is in our faith. And if you're going to focus on your ability to believe God and it's on you and you're looking at you and I just got to have more faith. I just got to have more faith. Guess what? You're not going to have great faith. Because great faith is focused faith, but it's not focused on you, it's focused on him. Our faith should not be in our faith and our ability to believe God. Our faith should be in a great God. We should never base our faith on our ability to believe God. It should be on God's ability to do it. And notice what happened in this story when Peter got his eyes off of God and onto himself and the circumstances, he started to sink. But when he kept his eyes on God, he kept his faith focused on God and his greatness, he walked on the water. So we as believers, if you're going to have great faith, it needs to be focused faith, but not focused on you, focused on your great God. Because the more you keep looking at him, the more you're going to keep walking in the supernatural. The more you keep looking at him, the more you're going to walk on water. The more you keep looking at him, the greater your faith will get when you're looking at him and not on you. 
But I, I'll tell you the quickest way to stop believing and get into doubt and to, to start beating yourself up because you can't believe God, keep your faith focused on you. And a lot of people in word of faith, faith churches, they don't believe in faith in God. They believe faith in their faith. And if you notice, even their testimonies is always about they believe God for this and they believe God for that and they believe God. Well, did you? I know you're a part of it, but you were not the main part of it. You were only a little part of it. Your job was just to believe, but God's the one who did it. Let's put the emphasis on him. Let's put our eyes on him. Let's put our focus on him. It's the greatness of God, not the greatness of our faith that makes our faith great. And if you want your faith to grow and for you to get in a place that you have great faith, you got to have your eyes focused on a great God. Come on now, somebody. You're receiving that this morning. Great faith is focused faith. Not on you. Not on your circumstances. On him. And notice, the more Peter looked at God, he had great faith. But when he focused on himself and the circumstances around him, he sank and he had little faith. Great faith is all about your focus. I'm going to challenge all of you in here. Next time there's something that you're believing God for, stop looking inward on can you believe God or not. How about you just start here? Start thinking about the greatness of God. The faithfulness of God. The trustworthiness of God. The power of God. God's ability. Make that your focus. And trust me, your faith will become great when you keep your eyes focused on him. But if you're going to keep looking at you and your circumstances, you're going to sink. And then Jesus is going to have to come to you and say, what happened? Where was your faith? It was great a minute ago, but now it's little faith. Why? Because his focus changed. He started looking at himself and the circumstances instead of looking at the greatness of God. You with me this morning? If we want to have great faith, we need to be focused in our faith. On God's greatness, on God's ability, on God's faithfulness, not on ourselves. In our just ability to believe. Because all of you know this for a fact. There has been times in all of our lives that we really didn't have a lot of faith and God still helped us. Y'all want to be truthful or not? There were some times we were struggling in our prayers and God's like, I hear you. I'm going to help you. We barely were eking out some faith in some of these situations. But it wasn't dependent upon us just believing it was the greatness of God. It was the faithfulness of God. It was the power of God. It was God's ability, not just our ability to believe him. Now, I believe you need to be able to believe him, but we all know God has helped us when our faith was puny, (laughs) struggling. He still came. He still moved. Because great faith is focused faith. You with me today? Great faith is focused faith in a great God. The next story I want to share about is the Roman centurion. Matthew 8. Let's turn to uh, verse 5. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion, which that's a Roman uh, soldier who has a hundred soldiers under him. He came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and this another one, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. 
When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Let's jump to verse 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Jesus said that this Roman centurion had great faith. Now, this man was outside of the covenant of the Jewish people. He was not even a person that Jesus was supposed to be talking to based off the culture around them. But Jesus recognized the Roman centurion had faith. He believed God. And it says that he had great faith. And Jesus said to him, I haven't seen this great of faith in all of Israel. And they're the ones that are supposed to be believing me for something. And this is what I think about when I read the story of the Roman centurion. Now, we're still talking about great faith and a great God. Now, great faith is focused faith. But great faith is also childlike faith. It's simple. Childlike faith. And that's what this Roman centurion had. That's what Peter had. That God literally just spoke a word. And they said, I believe it. And then God moved in their life. And the world would say, yeah, that's, you know, that's just y'all being real simple-minded. You know, Jesus called it childlike faith. But he went on and he would say that childlike faith are those who receive the promises of God. Childlike faith are the ones who receive God's kingdom. Childlike faith are the ones who receive everything that God has for them. But childlike faith is simple faith. It's as simple as this. God said it. I believe this. And that settles it. We want great faith. Well, great faith is focused faith, but great faith is childlike faith. Not childish, but childlike. Childlike faith is very simple. It just believes. Doesn't think about it. Doesn't debate it. Doesn't look it up on Google first, whether it's true or not. Doesn't ask other people. Childlike faith just believes. If you tell a child something, they just believe. And Jesus says the people that will receive from me are people with childlike faith, great faith. That they just hear from me. God said it. They believe it. And that settles it. That's people that have great faith. Not people that debate it on Facebook. Why do you think this pastor meant this? Just believe God, man. <laughs> You'll keep going around in circles the rest of your life. And God's like, I have so much for you. If you're going to keep debating it, that's not childlike faith. Just believe it. Bringing up your doubts. Well, I heard a podcast one time. I looked it up on Google one time. Who said the internet was true in the first place? Y'all know that, right? Not everything on the internet is true. Childlike faith just says God said it, and I believe it. Notice Peter said, if it's you, tell me to come. And Jesus said, come. And he said, okay. It's all he needed. Very simple, very childlike. But those are the people that receive from God. They believe before they ever think about it. They step out and say, God, I believe it. That settles it, and I'm going to move with what you said. The Roman centurion said, you don't even have to come to my house. He said, I'm a man under authority. I know authority. And he said, if you just speak a word, my servant will be healed. That's simple. He didn't say, you got to come to my house. You don't have to lay hands on her. If you just speak a word, why? Because when you speak a word, I'm going to have childlike faith. I believe it. I believe it. And it says, what happened? Jesus said, I haven't seen such great faith. And it said, the servant was instantly healed. When the centurion said, well, I believe that. 
Childlike faith. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. You don't have to do anything else but tell children anything. <laughs> That's why it's, you got to be careful with what you say. Because they will believe it. And God says, you need to be like that with me. In my word. You realize this with children. They believe like that until they get enough life experiences to teach them or persuade them not to believe. And then they get a little older and what happens? They start getting skeptical. They, they, they start not just trusting automatically. They start questioning you, parents, grandparents. They start, why? Well, when you were little, you just, mom said, dad said. But they get a little older and they start questioning things because their childlike faith is gone. Because they, they've experienced a lot now. The same thing, hear me today. I know, I know you're thinking about Sundays, but stay with me here. This is good. The same thing happens to us as adults with our faith in God. When we start out believing, we are childlike in our faith. We're real simple. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. And then we see God start moving and we're excited. And we see God heal and we see God deliver and we see God answer a prayer provision. And then life experiences come. And they're trying to teach us not to believe, to persuade us and make us skeptical. I want you to know today, never base what you believe on any experience, good or bad. Base what you believe on God's word. Don't lower your faith to your past experience. Raise your faith to the level of God's ability and power to do it. You know why? Because the enemy knows if you face enough life experiences and you start thinking about that every time you believe God, whether that's good or bad, it will mess with your faith. And you better believe the enemy knows the things that has went on in your life and your past experience. And when you step out in faith, he's going to try to remind you of everyone it didn't work for. Every person who didn't get healed and every person who didn't prosper and every person who didn't get delivered and every person that didn't work out right and every person that, that went a different way, he will remind you of those things. Why? To take your childlike faith. That's why you never base what you believe off experience, good or bad. You base what you believe off God's word. If God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Peter said, can I come, Lord? And he said, yes, come. That's a word from God. He said, I believe it. The centurion said, speak the word only, and, you, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus spoke the word, and his servant was healed. He believed his word. Not his experience. I feel like this is for many of you in here. Some of you have lowered your faith to your past experience. And you're wondering why you feel stuck. Because you have to raise your faith to the level of God's power and ability, not your experience. Because childlike faith just believes God at his word. The enemy wants us to question and doubt what God said because of past experience. Can I be honest with you? I usually am. I am all the time. As a pastor, just as a human living in this planet, so talking about childlike faith, there's been times I believe God for people, and they got healed. Many. Hundreds. There's also been times I believe God for people, and they died. 
Now stay with me. I'm going to get you to somewhere good in a second. There's been times I believe God for protection for me and other people, and I've seen divine protection. I know for a fact angels protected people. Things were averted. Tragedies didn't happen because God protected people. I also know people that loved God and died in tragic accidents. I know people I believe God that they wouldn't lose their job. They wouldn't go bankrupt, and they still went bankrupt, and they still lost their job. I know other people that I prayed for, and God prospered them and gave them a better job, and they are thriving in what God has for them. Now, why am I telling you that? Because you can't trust your experience. I got experiences both good and bad. And I can never base what I believe about what God can do from his word off other people's experience, good or bad. Because if I do, I will never be in faith. I will always have at least one doubt or two doubts or three doubts. Why? Because the enemy will always bring up the person, trust me, the rest of your life, on the person that didn't get it and it didn't happen and it didn't work out. And he'll make you forget all the times it did work. So if we're using experience as our level of faith, we are going to be wishy-washy people the rest of our life. We're going to be roller coaster faith people the rest of our life. We're going to be up and down, in and out. We're never going to be in real faith if we base what we believe off experience. And the Bible says in James that if you doubt, you're unstable in all your waves and don't expect to receive anything from God when you're double-minded. What does double-minded mean? That part of you believes God and the other part's like, yeah, but what about them? If we're going to have childlike faith, we cannot base it off experience. We have to base it off of simple belief in God's word and God's ability. Stop lowering your life to the level of your past experiences. That's what the enemy wants you to do. Raise your faith to the level of God's power and ability to do it. We have to stop letting the enemy bring questions and doubts to our mind because of things that have happened in the past. We have to be committed to believing God's word no matter what's happened in our past. No matter what happened in our family. No matter what we thought that other people believed. We cannot base what we believe off experience. We have to base it off of God's word. And here's a side note of that. There's a lot of things you don't know about in other situations because you're not God. So stop trying to assume everything for everybody. There is an enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and it has nothing to do with God. On top of that, Deuteronomy says the secret things belong to the Lord. If you don't know and God didn't tell you, it's none of your business. Great faith is childlike, simple faith. I'm getting to a point here. I said all that to say this. So, pastor, then what do you do if you've had all those experiences? And I know you've had all those experiences. Then what do you do with that? You have to make a choice. Because you can't base it off experience or you're going to be up and down, in and out the rest of your life. You're always going to have a doubt or a question mark with God. You're going to have to make a choice to believe God's word above everything else. You're going to have to make a choice to let the past experiences be the past, and I'm not going to lower my faith to that level. I'm going to raise it to the level of God's power and ability to do it. So as your pastor, I've made a choice the rest of my life, no matter what happens. You hear me? Now, I'm not talking about something that I don't know about. I've had people very close. My mom died of cancer. My brother-in-law died of cancer. A great man of God, Dr. Dufresne, died in a plane crash. Other people of God that I loved die. Faith people. Quiet in this Methodist church. Y'all waiting on what I'm going to say. But you know what? I made a choice. I don't know why that happened because I'm not God, but I'm not going to let that affect my faith. 
I don't know why they didn't get it, but I'm not going to let that affect my faith. I don't know why that happened, but I'm not going to let it affect my faith. Why? Because I'm going to have simple, childlike faith that believes God's word above my circumstances. Whatever happened in the past is the past, whether good or bad. I'm going to believe God's word, and I'm going to make a clear choice the rest of my life. And I've already made that choice, and you need to make that choice too. I don't care what happened. I don't have to know the answers. I believe God. Some people will say, well, you're naive, or, or you know, you, you should question that, or you should do that. No, I'm going to have childlike faith. And I've made a clear choice, church family, to know this. I don't care what happened in the past. God is still true, and every man's a liar. God's word is still true. God is still God, and God is still great. Come on, I'm about to put a cherry on your Sunday this morning. I'm preaching today. God's word is still true, and God is still a savior, even if people don't receive it. God is still a healer, even if people don't get it. God is still a deliverer. God still does miracles. God is still the same God of the Bible, and I choose to believe that. Well, pastor, your mom died of cancer. She was a woman of faith. Shouldn't you doubt healing? No. Because she ain't God. My faith in God, not my mom's experience. Not anybody else's experience. God is God. And he's still a healer. And he's still a deliverer. And he's still a savior. And he's still a provider. And he's still a miracle working God. And I choose to believe that. I'm not ignorant or naive of circumstances around me. I'm very aware of them. But what am I doing? I'm making a choice to say, God, I'm going to have simple, childlike faith. Simple, childlike faith. Why? Because that is someone who receives from God, and that's great faith. Jesus said that's great faith. And trust me, other people that are full of doubt, and unbelief, and negative, and pessimistic, and there's many of them in the church and outside of it, are going to say, yeah, but what about this? And what about that? And what about what happened to this person? And what about happened to this person? It's not my business. This is between me and God. And God is trustworthy. Your experiences aren't, but God's word is. Childlike faith, simple faith. We have to all choose, God, I'm going to believe your word more than my experience. And I know sometimes that's hard. Sometimes that's really hard. Especially if you've been disappointed by several situations. It's hard to get your faith back up and like, man, I really want to lower my expectations down here so I don't get hurt. But no, we got to raise our faith to the level of God's ability and God's power. I got to close so we won't be here all day. So, great faith is childlike faith. I got one more thing and we'll close and then you can eat some ice cream. Y'all, that was the most response I've gotten all service was, y'all can eat some ice cream. Woo, hey, amen, okay. Great faith, lastly, is persistent faith. Persistent faith. I appreciate you listening to me. I can't help it. I'm a preacher. I'm a son of a preacher, and I've been a preacher my whole life. I get a little excited in the house of the Lord. Why? Because I care about it, and it's real to me. It's real to me. Great faith, and what do we talk about? Great faith is focused faith. Great faith is childlike and simple faith but great faith is persistent faith last story I want to read to you is about uh, the Canaanite woman in the gospels Matthew 15 verse 21 then Jesus left Galilee went to the north to the region of Tyre and Sidon and a Gentile woman so this is somebody outside the covenant of Israel 
who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away. And they said, She is bothering us with all her begging. And then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But notice, this, this lady would not give up. Amen. Persistent faith. But she came and worshiped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. Verse 26, Jesus responded, it isn't right to take food from the children's table and throw it to the dogs. And she replied, that's true, Lord, but even the dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath the master's table. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted, and her daughter was instantly healed. The last thing I want to share about is great faith is persistent faith. This lady was outside the covenant of God that God had made with Israel. And Jesus was saying not that he wasn't sent to the whole world, but he was sent to the nation of Israel first because they had a covenant with God. And we see this lady who comes, she's from the outside. She's, she's not a part of the family of God or the covenant of God, but she knows that Jesus is a healer and a deliverer. And so he come, she comes to him and she says, my daughter is tormented with a demon and, and I need your help. And Jesus didn't respond at first. But she was persistent in her faith. She didn't give up easily. And, and it says she came back and she came back and she came back. And then finally, Jesus answered her, and he said to this lady, well, speaking of God's chosen people being the children of God, he said, it's not right that I take the children's bread and give it to dogs. Now, right then and there, he would have been canceled. It would have been on the internet. It would have been on CNN and Fox News. Jesus' ministry would have been over, especially in the last few years. Oh, my goodness. He, Jesus called a woman a dog. It would have been over for Jesus. Good thing he doesn't live in 2023 because Jesus would have been canceled by this comment right here. But let me give you some context of this. Now, we always read the Bible in the sense of when we're picturing Jesus because of all the movies we've seen, that he's always serious and uptight. You know, in all the movies you see Jesus, he's always. Like no facial response, no emotion, no anything. It's like he's a robot. That's not how Jesus really was. Jesus was a real human with real emotions. But if you do your study and you do your research, and there's several books written about this, a lot of things in the Gospels that we read are actually Jesus making jokes. Like a lot of times when he's talking to the Pharisees and he says something that sounds like, oh, that's savage. I cannot believe he just said that. He's actually kind of being truthful, but he's kind of joking to lighten them up a little bit. So there's a lot of things we see in the Bible that are not straightforward and like a serious statement, but we read it that way because we're just reading, you know, black words on a white page. So when Jesus says this, it's both, there's a little truth to it because literally the Canaanites, the people of Canaan and God's people were the biggest enemies that could be. Like they'd been killing each other for generations. So they weren't even supposed to be talking to each other. So, so the lady knew that tension and Jesus knew that tension. And so she comes and says, I need to be healed. And he's playing into that. And he says, well, it's not right because God's people, God's children... They're the nation of Israel. It's not right to give the children's bread and give it to dogs because in that context, Canaanites were always referred to as dogs because they were always known to be people that were just scavengers. They were always just trying to take from other people. But Jesus was not saying this with a straight face. Lady, you're a dog. Get out of here. That's the way we read it. Because notice her response. She zings him back. Kind of like my mom used to do with my dad when he would preach. She was very quick-witted, and Jesus liked it. 
if he was serious, he wouldn't have thought the joke was funny. The lady says, yeah, I am a dog because she's a Canaanite. She knows what people think about her, but even the dogs get the crumbs. And Jesus said, what did you just say? Because that response was a response he was looking for. The lady could not be uh, deterred by his response. She was persistent in her faith. She said, no, my daughter's going to get healed. My daughter's going to get delivered. I have persistent faith that I'm not going to give up until I get an answer from God. That's great faith, church family. We need to be that aggressive and persistent in our love for God, in our passion for God, in our prayer life, that we stay that persistent with God that we don't take no for an answer. We stay with it, even if we feel like it's been delayed or we've been pushed back or our answer hasn't come in the time frame. We don't give up. We keep on persisting and persisting and persisting. And God said, that's great faith. So Jesus said, you know, it's not right to give the children's bread. He's talking about healing and deliverance to the dogs. But she said, but even the dogs get the crumbs. And he's like, hey, lady. She got it. He appreciated the quick wit she had. And he goes, but that's some great faith right there. She didn't give up. And Jesus said, because you had great faith, your daughter's healed right now. She's completely delivered from the demon that was tormenting her because this lady had persistent faith. I'm, I'm going to close with this. Great faith is persistent faith. So many of us give up right before the answer. So many of us throw in the towel when we're so close to a breakthrough from God. So many of us let life and circumstance and rejection and delay and something got postponed a little bit and you give up your faith. No, we need to be persistent in our faith to say, God, I'm not going to let you go until I see an answer to the situation. God, I'm not going to take no for an answer until I see an answer to the situation. God, I'm not going to be denied. You're going to move on my behalf. God says that's great faith. Persistent faith. That's the kind of faith we need. And you know, we all need that because the Bible says there's usually a time frame between when we believe and when it happens. So in that middle period of time, the Bible says you got to have patience and persistence till you get to the answer. To not give up. To keep pressing into what God has for you. But God says persistent faith is great faith. One last verse. Luke 18 and verse 1 in the Message Bible. Jesus told them a story showing them it was necessary for them to pray consistently and never quit. He said, there was once a judge in some city who never gave God a thought, cared nothing for people, and a widow in that city kept after him. My rights are being violated. Protect me. He never gave her the time of day, but after this went on and on, he said to himself, I care nothing what God thinks, even less what people think, but because this widow won't quit badgering me, I'd better do something to see that she gets justice. Otherwise, I'm going to end up beaten by her black and blue. Notice, then Jesus said, do you hear what this judge, corrupt as he is, is saying? So he's talking about this guy wasn't even right. But because this lady was persistent, the judge answered him. So what does Jesus say? So what makes you think God, who is just and who is good, won't step in and work justice for his chosen people? Who continue to cry out for help, won't he stick up for them? And I love this. Assure you, he will will not drag his feet, but how much of that kind of persistent faith will the Son of Man find on the earth When he returns. How much of that persistent faith? Why? Because that is great faith. Did you guys get some today? Come on, let's stand up a second. Could we raise our hands if you feel comfortable? And we're going to close. Let me pray for you. Then we're going to go eat some ice cream. Father, we just love you today. We thank you for the, 
this time that we've had in your presence from the worship to the offering to the ministry time. We thank you for the word that you spoke to us today. I pray for everyone in here, including myself, for our faith to grow, for our faith to get stronger. That, Father, that we would be people that has great faith. That we don't just live a day in faith, but we live a life of faith. We pray right now that our faith would be enlarged. Our faith would be increased. That we would be people of great faith. That we would believe you. Father, I pray right now that we would put your word into practice that we heard today. That we're going to have focused faith. That we're going to have childlike and simple faith. And we're going to be persistent in our faith. Because we're going to pursue all that you have for us. We're not going to take no for an answer. We're going to pursue all that the word says belongs to us. And we thank you for a great day in your house. We thank you for our faith being increased. We thank you for our faith growing today. Help us to be people of great faith. Father, I thank you. This is a church that believes you. We trust you. We're confident in you. And we're growing in that faith as a church community. We thank you for it today. We thank you for it today. Come on, can you thank him for a second? Just out of your own mouth. Father, we thank you today for your presence. We thank you for, for giving us answers from your word. We thank you that, that you're ready and able to answer us. You're just looking for somebody who has faith. The word says that the eyes of the Lord look to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for someone to show himself strong on their behalf. You're just looking for someone who believes you, looking for someone that will just trust you. And we're going to be those people. Father, we say today, we're those people. We're those people. We're those people that believe you. We trust you. We have faith in you. And we thank you. You're going to show yourself strong on our behalf. And we thank you for it today. We love you. We love each other. We thank you for a greater sense of unity being in this church community. We thank you for all you're doing in our church right now. All the new things coming. We thank you, Father, for all the new kids' classrooms that are happening right now. We thank you for the live stream that's going to be in place in the next few months. Father, we thank you for all the growth and increase we're seeing in our church. We're, we're thankful people. And we thank you. We're going to keep moving with the plan that you have for this church and this church family. We're excited about it. We're expecting about it because we're people of faith. We thank you that the best is yet to come for everyone in this place. And the future is bright for us. We thank you that we go in your peace and we go in your presence today. Help us to enjoy each other and enjoy this ice cream and have a great Sunday in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.